when they had gone, the wise men that is, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So, without saying a word, <laughs> he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, when he stayed until the death of Herod, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So, and I'm interjecting a few words here. So without saying a word, he got up. He took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, here's the third dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be a Nazarene. Joseph was a great listener. But more than that, when Joseph heard the voice of God through the angel at a dream, he was obedient. He didn't debate. He didn't argue. He didn't complain. He listened. He heard. And he obeyed. Notice his obedience. The first point this morning is the obedience of Joseph. He escapes to Egypt because Herod the king was going to attempt to kill his son. And so the angel says, go. And as soon as the angel says, go, it says in verse 14, he got up and went. Didn't wait till morning. Didn't complain. Didn't go back to Nazareth and say, I've got to close up shop. Remember, he was a carpenter. Didn't say, well, we've got to go and get a wagon and all of our belongings and furniture and put all of these things, and then we'll... No. In the middle of the night, he gets up and leaves. God said, move, and Joseph moved. 
I received an email this week from Kathy, and it was a very interesting devotional, um, and it related um, very much so to the account of what we just read here. And in the article, it speaks of a stark parallel with this story, uh, with the devastation that's taking place in the Middle East. And this article spoke of the refugees who are fleeing Syria. And you've seen the lines and lines and lines of refugees fleeing with their families, moms crying, children confused, dads not knowing what the future holds. And they compared that with what we just looked at. Isn't Joseph and his family refugees? Haven't they been called by God to flee home, to flee familiar surroundings, go to a place called Egypt? Don't take anything. Don't pack your belongings. Just run for your life. Joseph didn't know where he was going. He didn't know if he had a home or a job. None of that was awaiting for him. But he was obedient. You know, I had a better appreciation for the refugees who are fleeing for their lives as I studied this passage because my heart went out as I was studying for, for you know, with Joseph and Mary and little Jesus who was jostled around from place to place. But here's a family who has to flee for their lives, not knowing what the future holds. And then we see on TV that the very same thing is happening today. If nothing else, we ought to be praying for these poor families who are just being driven from their homes. But Joseph listened. He listened to the command of God, and he obeyed. And, you know, maybe we don't appreciate how significant that was for Joseph. How significant that was for Joseph to, to listen to God and just obey exactly what he commanded him to do. Take your wife, take your newborn son, and go to a strange land. That wasn't the only dream we read of. When he gets down into Egypt, then what? Herod dies. The very king that was planning and attempting to kill Jesus, Herod dies, and now Joseph in another dream is told, go back to Israel. Same thing. Get up, verse 20, and take your child and the mother and go to the land of Israel, verse 21. And so he got up. He didn't say a word. He didn't argue. He didn't say, God, maybe there's another way to do it. He just went. And then, <laughs> as he's coming to Israel, he hears that Archelaus, the son of Herod, now is on the throne. And Archelaus, and we didn't really get into the whole wickedness and evil of Herod. He was a terrible, terrible king. You know, to kill innocent boys two years and under, that was nothing for Herod. He was killing his own family for different reasons. 
But they say Archelaus was as bad as Herod, if not worse. And so Joseph now, coming back to Israel, he's warned in another dream, don't go into Judea, that's where Archelaus is reigning, but go to a town called Nazareth. And so three commands are given to Joseph, and every one he obeys. And these aren't, or these are in addition to the one that the angel gave to him earlier. Do you remember when his fiancée, Mary, was pregnant and Joseph was ready to divorce her privately and the angel comes in, in another dream and says, Joseph, listen, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, again, without saying a word, stays with Mary. Joseph was a man who listened, great listener. Joseph was a great listener. But not only that, but the Bible says he obeyed. And he trusted in God's protecting care. Remember that. That's the, the, that's the thrust of this morning's sermon. That Joseph trusted in God's protecting care. God says, go to Egypt, and I will protect you. He went to Egypt, and God protected him. Go back to Israel, and I will protect you. He goes back to Israel. He's warned in a dream that Archelaus is now on the throne. God says, don't go to Judea. That's where Archelaus is reigning. Go up unto Nazareth, the district of Galilee, and there I will protect you. Joseph listened, and he obeyed, and he trusted God's protecting care. The second thing I see in this is God's provision. And this wasn't something that I saw up until this week as I was looking at this passage once again. But think about it for a minute. I mean, think about the refugees we just spoke of in Syria. They leave, and, and many of them leave with the shirts on their backs. How do they provide for themselves once they get to wherever they're going? Have you ever thought about Joseph and Mary? Go to Egypt. Don't go back to Nazareth and pack up your belongings. Don't go get a wagon and put all... No, no. Just go to Egypt. How are they going to provide for themselves? God used, I believe, the wise men. What did they bring to Jesus and Joseph and Mary there in that house? Frankincense and myrrh, okay. You know, embalming fluid and perfume. That maybe, even though very costly, don't misunderstand me, gold. <laughs> Do you think they could use some gold as they went down to Egypt? That would probably take care of them pretty well. I don't know how much gold it was. I don't know what it looked like. But I believe God, through the wise men, provided for their needs. You know, you've heard it said before, and you've heard it often, that when God calls, God always provides. And he does. And God calls Joseph and his family down into Egypt. And he provides through these 
magi, wise men. Uh, maybe they were astrologers who were stargazers. Uh, they were probably from the land of Persia, not Jews. They were Gentiles and still looking for the king of the Jews. Gentiles, they were. It wasn't just Jews who were looking for Jesus. Guided by the star to the Jewish capital of Jerusalem. And you know the story of Herod. He was greatly disturbed by all of this because Herod was the king. He was threatened by the sound of another king coming on board. The king of the Jews. So he calls his scholars. He calls the religious leaders of the day. And he says, can, can you figure out where this king is to be born? And they figured it out, and they told him Bethlehem. And then he tells the Magi, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to find this king of the Jews. And then come back and report to me, because I would really like to just bow down and worship him as well. Well, the Magi's were warned in a dream that that was really not what Herod was going to do at all. And so they go back home, never go to King Herod. And then we read that Herod was quite angry. Three gifts were given to the family by the wise men. And I believe these rich and costly presents God used to provide them. But notice Herod's anger. It says in verse 16, he was outwitted. <laughs> he was outwitted by the Magi. And so what does he do? And this is the part that we would never see in a Christmas program. He gives orders for all of the boys two years and younger to be killed. Now, we're not looking at thousands of little boys. Bethlehem in the vicinity was, there probably weren't a lot of little boys of that age at this time. But nevertheless, I mean, just the taking of a life or two is tragic. Again, I refer to the email that was given to me regarding this order to kill children. The news reports this fall on the execution of Syrian children by ISIS guerrillas left us all speechless. Now reports are coming out this week that ISIS terrorists have issued a fatwa, I don't know if that's how you spell it, F-A-T-W-A, an Islamic term for a religious decree to its members, authorizing them to kill babies and children with Down syndrome, congenital deformities, and disabled children, as reported by Fox News and other media outlets. Yes, he goes on to say in this email, Christmas is the glow of candlelight on golden straw and a baby sleeping in a manger. It is starlight, shepherds in a field and the visit of magi from the east. But Christmas is also an invasion. The kingdom of God striking the heart of the kingdom of darkness with violent 
repercussions. I think of this had informed our understanding of the birth of Christ, it would have better prepared us for our own lives and the events unfolding in the world today. I think far fewer of us would be so puzzled by the way things are going. Are you puzzled, he ends, about why things are going so sideways from anything you could imagine? If you are living in a juxtaposition of the horrors of the world around us and the miracle of Jesus' birth, you're in good company. So were Mary and Joseph. We're living in a war, even if it isn't one we see or are fully aware. And he speaks of that as a spiritual warfare. That Satan is behind all of this. You know, I remember one prayer meeting session we had not too long ago, and we were talking about the mindset of the terrorists, how someone could just ignore life in the way that they do, to take a life, to take a life of a child. Can you imagine? What, what has to be behind their thinking? They have to be possessed by Satan himself. Satan or the devil has to be behind all of this, as we think here. Who is behind Herod? This is Satan's first attempt on the life of Jesus. His first attempt to take the life of the Savior. And so, we see spiritual warfare here, just after the birth of Jesus. You know, it's virtually impossible, I believe, to imagine being a parent during this time. Can you imagine being a parent of a child who has a deformity and is going to be killed as a result of it? These are the things that are taking place in our world today, just as it was in the world of Jesus. Can you imagine being a parent of a son, an 18-month-old son, the soldiers, they barge through the door and grab your son and take him outside to take his life. No wonder we read there's a voice heard in Ramah. There was weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I don't know if you noticed as I was reading, not only were there three dreams, but three times in this text. It says that prophecy was fulfilled. Prophecy was fulfilled. Prophecy was fulfilled. God's plans and purposes always stand. God's plan. Verse 15. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 17. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And again down in verse 23, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. Satan in the end loses. In the end, the devil loses. And prophecy is fulfilled. And the Messiah is safe. Because Joseph, a man of God, trusted in the protecting care of God. It wasn't long after the birth of Jesus when Satan went to work. 
But his plans didn't work because you can't thwart the plans of God. You can't thwart the plans of God. And each attempt that Satan made to take the life of this little boy, Jesus, Joseph was warned in a dream, go this way, go that way. And Joseph, as I said, with no arguing, no questions, no problem, he listened and he obeyed. And God, through all of this, protected Jesus. My conclusion this morning is threefold. Number one, the safest place to be is where God leads you. The safest place to be is where God leads you. The wise men followed the star, and it led them to Jesus. The wise men followed God's instructions, and in a dream, they escaped Herod's wrath. Joseph obeyed the angel's instruction and escaped to Egypt. Joseph followed God's warning and escaped the wrath of Archelaus. The safest place for you to be is in the will of God and allow God to lead you. Listen, life is uncertain. You know that. Life is uncertain. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. Joseph didn't know what he was going to find in Egypt. He didn't know what he was going to find when he came back to Israel. But he trusted God. He listened to God. He obeyed God. And he trusted God's protecting care. You know, one day, this little boy, Jesus, one day, this little boy who was jostled around from place to place to place, he's going to become a man. And he's going to stand before the multitudes and tell them how God cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. In Matthew chapter 6, and this is just a part of that text, but it says this, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they grow? They don't labor or spin. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? You see, Jesus is telling the multitudes that God, he'll take care of you. That even though life is uncertain, and even though we don't know what tomorrow holds, and by the way, on Friday, we do change our calendars. Friday, we sign 2016 to our checks. We don't know what next year will hold. But this we do know, that God holds every day in his hand. God knows the future, and God wants for us to allow him to lead our path. The second thing we find, I believe, in this text is this. A Christian isn't exempt from troubles. <laughs> Sometimes you'll hear preachers speak about the prosperity and the, you know, the, the life of the Christian that is supposed to be just a, a bed of roses. That if you just stay in the will of God, everything's going to be okay. It wasn't okay for Joseph and Mary. They have in their presence, in their arms, 
Jesus. And yet their life was filled with troubles. Running for their lives to Egypt as refugees. Trying to protect their little child. Multitudes surrounding this Christmas story. Babies were killed by this mad king. No, their lives were surrounded by trouble. You know, have you ever asked questions like this? When I read stories like this, I say, God, why don't you just somehow zap Herod? Can't, God, can't you just take care of Herod? Haven't you asked those questions today? Don't you look at leaders around the world and say, God, why? Why in the world would you allow this person in this country to do what he's doing? God, can't you just do something about that? Or God, here, something better yet. Let's just remove Satan from all of this, who's behind all of this evil. God, can't you just do that? Now listen, I don't have all these answers <laughs> to the questions that I'm raising. Here's what I do know. He didn't remove Herod. He didn't remove Satan. For some reason in the plans of God, he allows these things to happen. But it helps me to understand that if God allowed Joseph and Mary to go through troubles, that I'm going to go through them too. But what God has called me to do is trust and obey. For there's really no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Joseph was a good listener. He obeyed. That didn't eliminate him from troubles. Joseph was surrounded by troubles. Jo Mary was surrounded by troubles. Jesus, as we know, is going to be surrounded by troubles. But what God asks us to do is trust him. And then finally, God is in charge. God is in charge. Everything that happened in this Christmas story was planned out by God. This was fulfilled. This was fulfilled. This was fulfilled. And you see the hand of God all along the way. Here's what we often don't see. We often don't see the hand of God in the midst of the storm. You know, if, if the story had ended with Joseph heading to Egypt, we would wonder, where are you, God? But we can read the end of the story. We read that they get back to Nazareth safely. We can read that at the end of the storm, we can look back and we can see the hand of God in all of this. All of this prophecy being fulfilled, being fulfilled, being fulfilled. But when you're in the midst of the storm, it's hard sometimes to really understand that God's hand is in this. That for some reason, God is allowing this. Mary's life and Joseph's life, I'm sure it was nothing like they've ever planned. It wasn't something they ever expected. But guess what? God's still in charge. 
He didn't leave Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem to go at it alone. God said, Joseph, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to lead you. And life isn't going to be easy. Life will be filled with trials and troubles, but Joseph, you know what? I'm going with you, and I'm going to be there for you. And Joseph, what I'm asking you to do is trust me. Trust me to protect you. Even today, God is still on the throne. God is still in charge. So Friday, we change our calendars. Friday, 2016. And we wonder, what lies ahead? I don't know. And you don't know. But this is what I do know. I know that every day is in the hands of God. Every day is in the hands of God. Every day, God has ordained and planned already. That I know. You see, God has decreed for the, for the foundation of the world. Every day is in God's hands. And each day, he controls. What he asks of us is to listen and obey and trust. There may be storms, there may be trials, but we can trust in God's protecting care. He protected them, and he'll protect us. Yes, God does care for us, and he does love us more than we will ever know. As we move into the new year, don't ever, ever forget, God is sovereign. Father, we thank you for that biblical fact. From cover to cover, we read of God's control, of God's hand in everything that takes place. No, Lord, we don't know what our future holds. Life is so uncertain. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But Jesus stood before those multitudes. He says, don't worry. I take care of birds. I see that the flowers grow. And you are so much more valuable to me. And I will take care of you as well. Father, help us to remember that. Help us to remember that you are sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning and will forever. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close with one more Christmas song to uh, conclude our 2015 year. Number 114, As with Gladness, Men of Old. Hymn number 114. We'll sing this and be dismissed and be on our way. Let's stand together, please. As with Gladness, Men of Old. As with gladness, men of old did the guiding star foretold. As with joy they 
its light, leading onward, beaming bright. So most gracious Lord, may we evermore be led to Thee. As with joyful steps they sped to that lowly manger bed, there to bend the knee before heaven and earth adore. So may we with willing feet ever seek the mercy seat as they offered <coughs> rude and bare. So may we with holy joy, pure and free from sin's alloy, all our costless treasures bring, Christ to Thee, our heavenly King. Holy Jesus, free day, keep us in the narrow way. And when earthly, bring our ransomed souls at last. Where they need no star to guide, where no... Father, we thank you again for your son, Jesus, who came to seek and save the lost, who came, Lord, to give his life a ransom for many. Father, we thank you for our salvation, our eternal life, and our relationship with you, a relationship, Lord, that will never end, a relationship, Lord, that will always be in your presence. Father, for that one who's struggling today, grant peace and rest. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge the fact that, Father, you are a good and sovereign God. and You always give good gifts to your children. Again, we thank you and praise you for your wonderful Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.